Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For the sweet sounds of proud Western Australian, Kevin Bloody Wilson, it's hump day with Swanee and friends, Samantha Riches. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good morning, whatever time yeah, you're listening Sunday, to Yeah, Sunday. Wherever. I know it's Wednesday somewhere in the world, according to Swanee, but Absolutely. it's Sunday, Brownlow <laughs> afternoon, pre-Melbourne Premiership, and uh, uh, as, as an umpire might do, I'm tapping the shoulder. We're one short. Yeah, what's going on there? This is called Swanee and friends. Just his friends have rocked up. <laughs> missing one person. And have you ever heard, I mean, he's such a busy man. He's got a lot I can understand why he's not available. He's got a lot on. And it is a Sunday. Uh, and he's very busy. It is a Sunday. Doing lots of things, giving back to the people. So, unfortunately. Well, he's giving back to Sportsbet, I think, with his Brownlow commitment. So, we're, our next pod will be on Tuesday. And see, so if you bombarded me with where's my signed merch, it's because we can't get hold of Dane yet because he's so busy. Did he not write that? But <laughs> we'll ask him shortly. But oh, Sam, we need a replacement yes. who's played for Collingwood and won a Brownlow medal. Do you think we can get one? Well, also with ties to the Demons, um, but before we introduce the them, you love an early crow and you literally just introduced this as the pre-Melbourne Premiership show. Correct. Is that, are you crowing early on your own team, Ralph? I can't, I can't affect the outcome either way, so I may as well enjoy it. Hello, Shane Roy Woden. Hello, Ralphie. Hello, Sam. How are you? Thanks for joining us. We're good, actually. Not as good as you over there, free in the West, but we're okay. Yeah, how, tough is, how tough is life in Western Australia at the moment? Talk us through it. We're normal at the moment. <laughs> We've got a ruthless Premier here who um, uh, just uh, will not let one person in. Um, He's ruthless in all facets, really. So, no, we're very lucky over here. We're very privileged to um, live a normal life. I am worried, though. I, I feel like it's inevitable. At some stage, someone will jump in and he'll lock us down at any point. So, But he, is, he does it with just one. So um, we've had a couple of three- and five-day snap lockdowns this year. So, But hopefully that's the last one and um, we can go. But, yeah, uh, takeaway coffees, beach, whenever we want. We're pretty lucky. Assholes, all of what, them. What, what, yeah, apart from checking in, is that about the only thing you have to do? Um, when you, when you use your scanning or whatever, yeah, fantastic. Did yeah. I hear? Were you commentating for ABC during the year at one stage where the game got cancelled that morning? Uh, yeah, I don't think I was on that game, but I do yep. work for ABC. Yes, been there for 
five years now and cover a bit of footy. Had a couple of years with Sports Talk on Saturday mornings. Um, um, but a couple of years ago, probably mutually decided that's enough. I just needed my Saturday mornings back to watch a bit of my kids' sport, really, and I was missing a bit of that. And But, uh, no, nah, just uh, a little bit of commentary every now and then. I won't do the grand final. I've pulled out of that just to be a spectator this week and embrace and enjoy the occasion like every other punter is. So let's talk through that decision. I actually heard you on ABC yesterday mention it. So you were offered the chance to do the special comments and you just thought, no, I just want to be, I just want to enjoy myself. Yeah, I've done all the finals this year. Did the semi and the prelim, did Melbourne's prelim in V Geelong. Um, had the grand final. I knew I was doing it. Um, but over the weekend, I decided, I had a bit of a think about it. Then I thought, no, nah, bugger this. This doesn't happen very often where Melbourne's in a grand final. It's in our own state. That's one of the greatest venues. I'm actually just going to enjoy it and may have a drink or two. And yes. I don't, didn't want to be stuck in a box. Um, potentially when they're winning, I just want to be around the atmosphere and the crowd and, and hopefully uh, they can hold it aloft. Well, you're not quite a Melbourne sport if you don't want to be in a box, by the way. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> you're about a media box, though, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I'll be in the other box this weekend. <laughs> so who's going to go family-wise? Um, I'll take my wife. Yep. Uh, and I think... I'm pretty certain Taj and Sienna will go. Uh, I'm not sure if the youngest one will, will end up with the crowds and noise. It's pretty overwhelming for her, so she might stay at home. Not sure yet. We're still trying yeah. to convince her to go, but hopefully all the kids will come and enjoy the experience. So so why are you in uh, living back in your hometown of WA? you got something in common with Samantha, obviously. You, you chose to make the, the move over here, and that's how you made your fame? Yeah, and came back after I finished at the Pies for – Five years, I think it was. Um, I never thought I'd leave Victoria. I'd, I'd loved it that much, but um, Mick delisted me, and I just probably no. Nah, you know, sorry, 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 buddy. Sorry, buddy. We have to Come go back. back. Our first Come series, back. yeah. Now, now, Sam, what, what what did he say wrong then? He said, "Well, he said um, oh. Mick delisted me, but you, I think you should have said made you a required player. Is that right?" <laughs> so this is Scotty coming saying from our series, right? You never listen, you're a required player. Yeah, I still wasn't a required player back then. Um, so decided to bring the family back home. Yeah. Spent five years back here. Um, had a young family then. All the kids were pretty pretty small and um, some assistance around the family would have been, was helpful. Um, and then I wanted to get back in the system as a coach. So I went to Brisbane for six years and spent some time up there under Vossi and Leper coaching the Lions. Um, then the soft cap came in, so made it really difficult. I wanted to get back to Victoria and do something different and change of a club and environment and learn something completely new under some tutelage of some different coaches and whatnot. And that didn't eventuate with the soft cap. So um, decided to bring the family back home again. So... A um, few treks around the country um, with all, everyone in tow, but this is uh, now where we're settling and loving it and thankful we're back here. Mm. No, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I've moved eight kilometres in my life, Shane, so I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a huge – it is a huge effort, but I've oh. heard many people say that it's a, it's actually a good thing to do to get out of your comfort zone. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. You certainly learn a bit uh, as a family. Um and you certainly, the kids definitely grow up and mature in different ways and learn to, learn to become a little bit more resilient, you know, different schools, different environments for them and chop and change. So I did that a fair bit as a kid too growing up, but probably not to the um, different states. Um, but uh, they've loved it. They've loved the journey along the way, and I think they're very thank- thankful now to be back home and 
around family. Um, I've got two out of school now, so that's great. One will finish at the end of next year, and then I'll have one to go. So it's um, yeah, I can't wait for that. <laughs> Tell me about it. How come you made the decision, Sam? And what? How much did that improve you doing moving interstate? Well, because I graduated, being from Perth, obviously we finished high school at 17 rather than 18. So I graduated uni um, and was working for a footy club and working in a physio clinic, by writing letters to doctors by the age of 20. And I just knew that there had to be more to life than sitting behind a desk all day. And then um, I went on a trip with some friends for my 21st birthday around the world and realised that there was another world out there. I did some dance classes mm. in London and decided that that before I got too old and couldn't dance anymore, I wanted to go and live my passion out. So I applied to an academy over here and um, somehow I got in because I wasn't great at all before getting in. Um, and then moved over here and did two years full-time performing arts and knew that this was, well, prior to lockdown, this was a bustling hub of entertainment and, um, you know, sports and that's where my passion was. I've got an exercise a sports science degree and I was a performer, a singer and dancer and this place was absolutely buzzing with work and opportunities. So um, it did mean moving from my family but I think being 21, 22, you don't even think twice really about flying from the nest then. It's all very exciting and um, I had nothing to my name when I moved here and now I've built a life for myself and a little family. So very different to Shane's experience, obviously, having to consider children and um, schooling and wife's career and all those kind of things. It was just me. So to pack up and move to the big smoke was a really exciting prospect, particularly coming off the back of a, a world trip. It was a good decision and I'm kind of glad I did it. But right now I wish we could go home. I wish we were in Perth with our little family and some freedoms. But that, that was you a bit early doors, wasn't it? Well, because I remember speaking to you, not on air, but we were just having a social chat. I reckon maybe your first year and you said you actually wanted to be drafted by a Melbourne-based club because you, you, you didn't want to start playing in Perth. You wanted to actually start playing in, in Melbourne at the MCG, et cetera. Absolutely, Ralphie. Um, I was a Carlton supporter as a kid, but the mecca of footy and playing at the G uh, was the highlight and where it wanted to be. It felt like footy was a religion in Victoria at the time. Um, West Coast and Frio weren't interested here anyway and I just wanted to live it. Um, I wanted to jump out of home and I didn't get didn't get there until I was 20. So I missed a couple of drafts, but that was okay. And then once I arrived, it's like, this is definitely the place to be. And um, as Sam said, the hub of, of buzzing lifestyle that it what Melbourne has to offer, not only just with sport, but the entertainment industry, the coffee, the food, the wine. Um, it was placed 24-7 and I agree with Sam and Perth certainly back then was not bustling at all. So as an old country town here at that stage, we're a bit bigger now. Um, we've got a, a few things happening, which is a lot more different to when we were as teenagers. Um, but uh, that more relaxed lifestyle and, and to be able to bring families up here and uh, a better climate probably, um, yep. particularly for um, kids who want to explore the outdoors and get to beaches pretty consistently, don't have to travel, uh, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to get there. It's a, it's a bit easier. Uh, so one of Swanee's great lines is he started at the Williamstown Reserves Reserves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, he, he said, according to how many people have since come to him and said, I saw you early days and I knew you would make it. There was a crowd of 58,000 watching the Williamstown Reserves Reserves. But your equivalent to that was the Melbourne Footy Club in 1997 because it would be fair to say that these weren't flying that year in your first year. No, I think we we certainly come away with a wooden spoon in my first year. <laughs> what are the highs of um, my first year? Played round one, reigning premiers kangaroos at the G on a Thursday night and we smacked them by four goals. 
Um, the following week, play the pies, lose by 107. <laughs> uh, and then Barmy gets moved on round 10. Um, Hutchie takes that. It was just a awkward You know, scene. I did that interview with Barmy, uh, with uh, Joe, Joe Goodnick. I did, Joe. <laughs> that was my connection, Sam. At halftime, I, I just went and got Joe Goodnick and had a chat with him on Triple M. was Triple M's first year doing the footy. And I uh, said, Joe, how do you think uh, the D's are going? We're five goals down. This is disgraceful. I'm going to sack the coach. <laughs> I think we played the Saints at Waverley that day. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, amazing. Just uh, we come off the ground and coach is gone. Hutchie's in place. Great. Um, Hutchie's like the last yep. ten weeks out. Yep. Wow. But, but when you're young, you know, and we're talking about now as supporters and the two of us are now supporters. You, you're a greater club, but a supporter ultimately. You're talking about when you're young, you're first year play. You, you're there to make your own history, aren't you? Absolutely, you are. It, um, you, you're trying to get a game, build a career. Gary O'Donnell used to teach out the Brisbane boys when I was up there. Probably a little bit different to how we saw it as kids. You just wanted to play. You wanted to play immediately, which kids still do now these days. But Gary Lyon, great educator, great experienced um, Essendon champion. Was, yeah, you're not just here to get a game. You're here to build a career. So it didn't matter how long it took um, for those Brisbane boys to get in. But oh, it was a whirlwind, really. And then Dennis came along in 98, and we're playing in a prelim you know, 12 months later. So the ebbs and flows... Um, the roller coaster ride of a football season certainly is there year in, year out. And it was there with Melbourne um, when I was there for those six years. The consistency we showed year in, year out was terrific, wasn't it? So, um, oh, but loved it. <laughs> the first couple of years and uh, the experiences of playing alongside like some serious champions of that club. Yep. And I only played three years with them before they retired in 99. But, you know, um, I was in awe early days to how good these players were. So it was Gary Lyon, it was Jim Steins, it was Todd Viney, they were sort of the icons of the club then? Yeah, Stinger, the Lovets, yep. the Phoebes, you know, they played a lot of footy. Um, but yeah, and I really disappointed because I felt 98 was our year, we could have won it. Um, different final system back then, in today's when we probably do win the flag. Um, but yeah, just... It was shattering for, for those guys there, that you know, those greats at the time. It was their final real tilt at it, and we had an opportunity and we blew it. Um, but, yeah, they were amazing times. The, the, the ride of 98, particularly the back half of the year, was um, probably one of my favourite memories of my time at Melbourne. Uh, yep. I know it's the grand final of 2000, but um, the train was coming in 98, and, uh, yeah, we, we fell a, a step short, but we certainly felt we could have we could have done it. So, so anyone probably 30 and under who knows Neil Danaher just knows about the recent amazing journey that he's gone on with MND and, you know, arguably as respected Australian as ever. But so give us the, give us the other side of, of the really scary coach when he first comes to the club. Skating. <laughs> Skating. We, uh, not, his first year, we went to Wellington and played, I think, Sydney in the Antec Cup and the Basin Reserve's not a big deck. Um, cricket field, hardest concrete, um, and coming as the first or second game. But half time, uh, we copped the full wrath, and particularly Nita. Um, uh, if you were seeing the front row of Neil Danaher when he was given a spray, you certainly copped it, uh, mouth and all, with regards to he, he could give a good spray, but um, he certainly did occasionally spit at you at times. Um, <laughs> but Nita was, it was either Nita or Wiz, and Wizard was the big one, I thought, that copped the most in our time. Jeff Farmer, yep. Yeah. Um, he had a couple, particularly in Geelong, um, when he didn't get a kick. 
the one and we kicked nine in the second half against Collingwood with a G at half time he caught one that day um, <laughs> oh, but it, it was brutal but fair um, yep. it, he, had a, he had a good balance I reckon at times to give a spray but also give you a cuddle at the same time but um, the standard that he demanded uh, for us to be the team we wanted to be uh, was excellent he, he was a driving force and he was a great acquisition to the footy club when he, when he arrived at 98 so tell me if this story is true, Sam. Uh, I've been told, I'm, I'm pretty confident it's true, that when he got there, a lot of the boys had, had uh, rated themselves when it comes to um, to uh, riding, you know, the, the extracurricular work like, like cycling, and they all got these brand-new bikes. Is this true? Neil got up at the, at the uh, pre-season and said, I've got some good news and bad news for you. The bad news is all those brand-new bikes that you spent a fortune on, you're not going to use any of them. <laughs> the good news is... Because they're going to be untouched, you'll get a good price for them when you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Jonesy was our fitness guy at the time. Yeah. Uh, so all the boys, I think, went down to Hampton Cycles. I think it was Hampton. Um, spent four or five guys who probably thought they were Cadell Evans uh, and not probably spent eight, nine, ten on one. Um, but yeah, this game we don't ride, we f and run. So <laughs> <laughs> um, they were put up on blocks pretty quickly. Wow. What did uh, talk, talk us through those icons, Gary and Jim? Uh, particularly, Gary's going to present the cup, which I think every Melbourne supporter is just delighted about, and uh, and the, the the sadness. But uh, at the time, the, uh, the 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 teammate and later club icon of Jimmy Stein. Yeah, uh, Gaza, Gaza had a awe about him, didn't he? He had a real yeah. presence. Um, just exuded leadership. As soon as I walked into the place as a young 20-year-old, um, Clarko and Stinger were the first two I met one day punching it out in the gym. But, um, yeah, just standing behind Gary and running out with him, um, as I said, there's an awe, there's a real presence about him, as I said, and his leadership, his captaincy, his motivational chats, his speaking. He was an icon of the footy club. Um, could give a spray. No doubt. Loved a good time, obviously. Um, led the group. Led some footy trips. Led some Mad Mondays. Um, I sprayed him a couple of times at a Mad Monday, which I regret to this day. Um, <laughs> and I copped a wrath from that. Um, I remember the day when I first bleached my hair full-blown um, <laughs> white. And I walked in, hat on the head. And uh, he must have been walking behind me and then stripped it off my head. Looked at me, um, shake of it. Didn't say a word, kept walking. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As long as I got past that, I, I was okay. So I didn't get a, a huge spray, but I did get the evil stare as a young kid. But yeah, oh Jimmy, uh, yeah, geez, how, how many times did um, everyone walk taller when we went on the ground with him? Talk about inspirational, and not just on field, but what his legacy left off field was huge as well. Um, uh, Toddy was my idol. He was captain. He he was a he was an animal. He was an absolute beast on the field, and he was my favourite at the time. We had a run at the race with him, and what he delivered week in week out, and bashed his body around. Um, and then Stinger, how he was just so motivational for everyone, and inspired even when he wasn't on the park. Steve uh, Tinga, you talk about it for those who don't know. Yeah, yep. sorry for the yeah, nickname, <laughs> but yep. oh, there was that many. Those first three or four years uh, was a huge ride, and. Um, it was so sad to see them all finally go. The day that Gaza re- retired and the speech he gave us in the gym, um, man, 40 blokes crying. That's just the uh, the legacy he left and the touch he had on the playing group. So what's it yeah. like for for a 
Boy from Perth, you mentioned that you didn't want to go to a WA team, you wanted to go to a Melbourne team. But for those who don't know, over in Perth, especially these days, West Coast and Dockers are pretty much the only two teams that exist. So when you go over to <laughs> to Melbourne and there's these huge icons of the game, people like Gary Lyon and that, their names did transcend the borders. You did know who these players were. What was it like for a kid from Perth who played down at East Fremantle and got drafted a little bit later? What was it like to, to walk into a club like Melbourne, the oldest sporting club in the world with these huge names, what's it like to walk into the change rooms on day one? Do you kind of introduce yourself? Do you stay back and like huddle with, with the, the other new recruits? Or what was it like for this this young Shane Woden walking into the Melbourne Footy Club? Yeah, I walked in, um, Stephen Newport, who was the only welfare guy in all clubs, only had the one person to look after 45 players back then. But he took me, I think I arrived on a weekend from WA and training Monday. Um, and as I said, Stephen Tinga, Al Clarkson were the first two I met and walked through. And if you've ever been to the Junction Oval, um, back in the day, it, it wasn't really an inviting change room or gym. Um, it was a cesspit. Um, uh, I think sewage uh, leaked that many times through the facility. Um, the awesome fell through a roof. Oh, it was horrific. It really was. But um, you make with what you've got. And yeah. that never phased us one bit. We just felt it was an iconic place. It was ours. Um, we didn't need the bells and whistles. It's all about attitude and hard work. But, um, yeah, the first day first day was a time trial. And we walked across the road. Um, and we're going to do a beat test on the, on the road just across on the park, across the road from the Junction Oval. And it didn't work. So our fitness staff at the time said, bugger this. So no, if we walked back to Junction Oval... And then I found we were doing a 5K time trial from door to door around Albert Park Lake. Um, and I come second last <laughs> that day. So, um, <laughs> Hang on, you got something else in common yeah, with Woody then? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I thought I was a good trainer and I thought yeah. I was fit. Well, that was certainly an eye-opener for me when I first Absolutely. arrived. I mean, I've got some work to do here um, if I want to be at this footy club in two months' time. So head down, went to work, and away we went. But I... Uh, oh, I had a little bit more maturity about myself. I wasn't 18. I wasn't a kid. Yeah, I still lived at home, but walking in, I had a job to do, um, and names didn't phase me. Reputations didn't phase me. I just had to feel like I'd, I, I, I felt like I needed to belong, um, and that uh, you felt like you had to trample over players to get where you wanted to get to. And that might sound a bit selfish, but I was pretty keen to get on a list. So no matter what it took, I was prepared to do the hard work to to have my name called out and. Um, but I was very fortunate. I had some great players around who I could learn off so quickly. And and the best thing about them is that, uh, yeah, they did see this outsider coming in, who's this kid working hard, but they did put their arms around you to, to help you and assist you get to where you want to go. And he's still great and mates Sam with some of them. The, the, sorry, right. sorry. Like, are you still great mates with some of those people that you, I guess, had the wing put around you from day one? Oh, absolutely. And although we don't connect all the time, you know, when we come back to uh, Melbourne most years, um, you know, the Thursday night before the grand final is a uh, huge past players and officials night. So that's a great opportunity to reconnect and get the banter going and tell some more stories. And uh, But, yeah, my best friends are, are from the Melbourne Footy Club and um, WhatsApp chats and partners are, are good friends, kids. Like my son's born the same day, two hours apart from Adam Uze's daughter, Jazz. So... Um, yeah, we're all still very close and those mateships will be forever. 
and back then the system was different. Well, you didn't actually even get drafted. You you were just over and you you took a punt for two months to try and get on the list. But as we often say, and you know, Swanee's another one because he was drafted number sixty one. It, it doesn't actually matter what number you drafted or how you get in. It's what you do when, once you're in the door. Absolutely, mate. Hundred percent. I was pick eighteen, very last pick in the ninety seven preseason draft. A um, uh, little bit of a scary one. I was getting told I was pick twelve. End up going pick 18. I thought Hawthorne were going to take me at 15. It didn't eventuate. So, um, and I was told they didn't take me because I had spent the two months training with Melbourne in that preseason. Um, and I was thankful, you know, to to have been left there and forged those friendships. And you're right, mate. It's just another number, you know, pick one, pick 80. Who who really cares as long as your foot's in the door? Um, but that's the that's the hardest thing. Your door, your foot's in the door. You just got to be able to smash it open. And, and, um, and push your way through it to, to get a game and become a 10-year player. And um, it's only in there for a short time, so you've got some hard work to do, and otherwise you're out the door within 12 months. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I should ask you, because you mentioned him, Alistair Clarkson. Back then, if someone had said to you, he's going to be a legendary premiership coach. I do remember Liam Pickering privately saying, this guy's going to be a coach no matter what. And this is about 99, I reckon. So he always uh, had that amazing in the drive and also educational background. But he is. He's going to have a statue after him one day. He certainly will. Um, incredible. And I wouldn't have picked that at um, 97. And then 98, I think he was our runner. Yep. At the D's back then, and loves the chirp. He was a big one for the yap, and he's given players grief on the opposition, even when he was a runner. So, nothing uh, <laughs> on the short man syndrome, Shane. No, nah, no, not at all. He was a terrific character. We loved him, and um, yeah, he become you know, one of the greats of all time. He's, he had an exceptional career, hasn't he? Yeah, no doubt. Grand final. So you played in two. The D's won first. I mean. We have a saying on this called math science when we try and do uh, do our predictions. And Swatty says every time you you lose, it means you're close to the next win. And that's Swatty's way of looking at maths. But sure. the way I look at it for racing, ten to one means one in eleven chance if you take yep. away, you know, and so forth. If you look at history, there's no way you guys could have won against Essendon. It maybe was a it was going the only chance would have been absolutely everything to go right. But actually, pretty much everything went wrong. It didn't go right at all. Yeah, <laughs> uh, horrific day. Um, I don't remember much of it. It's a bit of a blur, really, particularly pre-game. Um, post-game, Dennis sprayed me when I I was on the bench. I finished the game on the bench after doing my hammy in the first quarter. And 
had a few tears walking back to the middle of the ground to watch the, the bombers collect their medals and Dan has walked past from the and coming down from the northern stand at the time and sprayed me for shedding a few tears. Um, it was brutal at times. Uh, but um, so that's just the highs and lows of the game. And yeah. yeah, we felt really comfortable we could do it because we'd only gone down by four goals, I think around nine or ten against them. But they just had too much class. They were just polished on all areas of the ground and we felt like we can compete in the middle, but their forward line was just too bloody good. And there's Lloyd, Heard, Lucas, Carousella sneaking around, finding three or four, Carousella, Blump, it just didn't matter. McCurie. So, yeah, disappointing day to – she's were hot early. Everyone blames Nita for his start and missing a few opportunities early. And, um, yeah, we thought we'd got out of the gates pretty quickly. We just couldn't convert, and then um, it was an avalanche after that. So one thing you have got in common with Dane, though, is you won a Brownlow, not just as a winning a Brownlow, but winning a Brownlow in grand final week, which Dane did as well in 2011. So um, I, I'm, I'm guessing it wouldn't be the ideal prep as, as much as it's made you, made you fame. Yeah. No, nah, not, not an ideal prep. Yeah. If I had my time again, I'd do things completely differently. Um, and so sorry, and sorry to butt in, but we're, we're taping it Sunday afternoon. The Brownlow's tonight. You're going in Perth. And there's a fair chance. Chance that the winner will be someone who's playing this week. So probably in that context, so what, what do you think you, you did and what you should do if it's Brownlow if you win a Brownlow Grand Final week? Uh, they'll be lucky because they won't have to because they're blocked off from the community and yeah. having anything to do with the outside world. So good luck to them. I hope they enjoy it and <laughs> continue the week. Back then though, you you win the medal, you whisk backstage, you sign a contract at the back of another press conference um, for the AFL. You do your presser. And then you, and then yours for the next three days. So I didn't get my time back until Wednesday afternoon after I finished a massive big clinic at, at I think it was Colonial Stadium back then, which is now Marvel. Yep. Yeah. So my prep didn't start till probably really Thursday morning, which not ideal. You know, missing out on some craft sessions and a few things that you need to do with players, or having a swing at the golf club, or having a few coffees down at um, Church Street in Brighton, whatever it may be. What I was doing back then. Um, but yeah, amazing week, but certainly very busy, particularly at the start of it. The, the analogy I want to make with Swanee, so he often says, I'm a premiership player, but I wake up going, beauty. He said, fuck, it's great for every time you want to get together, there's an excuse, there's a WhatsApp group. Is, is that a bit like with you with the Brownlow, that you, every year you get a chance to catch up with people and you're in the room and uh, when when you are obviously in town and that, that's always part of part of your makeup as well? Yeah. Um, a trip on the AFL to get back to Victoria to spend a week with all my mates. Oh, do you get it every year? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we yeah. love a rot. That's awesome. <laughs> so why not? Yeah, um, I'll stay at Crown. I'll get taken over with my wife um, and a chance to just to catch up with as many people as I can. Um, busy week. Uh, but, yeah, the, the Brownlow night, oh, the night's as boring as batshit. It yeah. really is. It's <laughs> not an event for leaving. What about the fact that you have to get there three hours earlier before <laughs> the event starts on TV? And you have to eat Mix first. and mingle, have three courses of food, drink mm. as as much alcohol as you can and consume in that three hours before it actually even starts. <laughs> it is and then everyone, and then your table start leaving by 9.30. So um, <laughs> that happened to me a couple of years ago where my table had all left and left D and I there by ourselves at 9.30 at an old Teasdale's table and started necking a few. So uh, <laughs> the old boy. Barry loved to drink. Oh, Barry. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, and huge fun. Noel Teasdale's yep. wife lo- loves it. Um, yeah, fantastic. But that opportunity pre the night to catch up with the, all the medalists in that room on to the side for 45 minutes, that's my highlight of the evening and catching up with 
the past greats and that's what the Brownlow means to me. I remember Dipper saying years ago that um, uh, we should be able to catch up more regularly and have more opportunities to do it, yet the once we do do it, it's never enough. It's not enough time. So that's 30 minutes to 45 minutes pre the night where we just get whisked off to another room and spend some quality time, have a couple of beers, uh, a bit of banter, a few conversations, um, and catch up with each other. Uh, that's the part of the night that I love the most. Um, uh, yeah, you're part of this famous club and they're the pioneers. They're the champions of the game that I love hanging around with because they're the ones that forged before we did. Um, I was just a young 24-year-old that got inducted. and um, But to me, that's my highlight of the evening, that 45 minutes um, with all them and possibly a photo or team photo with them all. Fantastic. Uh, so you mentioned what a Shidola Junction Oval was as far as the facilities are concerned. Of course, you love your time at the Dees, but to just sort of compare that, the Lexus Centre would have been slightly different when you went across to Collingwood? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I didn't, we were, at, we were still at Vic Park when I first got to the Pies. Right. Um, Shithole as well. Yes. <laughs> That's where the Legion is. Disease came through with the spas, remember? Mm. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Um, yeah, that was mould growing on the walls, nice. freezing. Uh, but again, you make uh, of, of what it is um, history within those four walls and on that ground. And so I spent 18 months there before middle of 04, we got across to the Lexus Centre. Oh, so you were there for the first year at the Lexus Centre? Yeah. yeah. So I, was, I was at the footy show then, as you know, so I'm working with Ed at the time. I think he took it really seriously, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ed poured his heart and soul, blood, sweat and tears to get that Lexus Centre. Um, yeah, so middle of 04, we moved in, and we thought, how good is this place? Um, it was like the Big Brother house, uh, Players Lounge, and the facilities all within our 10 metres of our locker room, um, and we never had to move. Had the cafe next door, and how good is this place? So, yeah, across the road from the tan, loved it. Only got 18 months of it, and then I was done. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and now I've heard they've put another $10 million mezzanine upgrade onto it all too, so... It's only getting bigger and better for the players. Um, how quickly and how fast facilities have come this day and age. So I'm, I'm not overly shocked. Um, last year, Swanee did his on and off field team of the century. He didn't make his off field team of the century. And from what I do know of you from back in the Melbourne days, you weren't really Brat, Brat, Brat Pack material, or Rat Pack material rather. Is that, <laughs> is that fair? And what's your memories of that that young group when, when, when you were finishing off? <laughs> at the Pies? At the Pies. Yeah, so what, 03, my first year, Swanee was second year. I reckon yep. drafted 01, so 02 didn't get a game. He may have, I reckon he had three games of 03. So still a young buck, no cat. Um, then the group started to form, Didac, Shaw, <laughs> John Tarrant, Swan. Um, yeah, uh, Mick loved their personalities of, it, of our footy club and particularly them. Uh, yeah, I don't think I was in that. Uh, rat pack. I think I was in more of the serious um, drive standards, Buckley, Burns, uh, Tuck and Lockyer, Anthony Rocker group, Paul Curia. So um, um, I may have, if I, I may have, I should have done a bit, something a bit differently early days. I may have lasted a bit longer, actually. I've had a different personality. So, yeah, uh, incredible. But that's where the great thing about the pies at the time too is just uh, how different everyone was accepted of each other and um, we spent so long uh, daily with each other probably while we didn't connect as much off field because we were you know together 10 hours a day every day so yeah. um, 
very different to Melbourne where Melbourne at the junction and you train twice a day, you, you get to go and disappear middle of the day doing your own thing. So completely different environments. Um, but I loved my time at the Pies. Absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, and I got to be amongst the Lexus Centre. So <laughs> I didn't have to smell shit uh, every world day class, at the junction. Training. So what, what the um, cause you actually brought up a memory there because when you said Mick loved the that group and the young personalities, so I remember with Neil with uh, David Schwartz when he was a bit uh, he, he showed the ball to the crowd I reckon it was in a final and uh, and Neil said Kevin Sheedy said you got to have your Cowboys in the side and I suppose that's the, the art of a good side too you do need lots of personalities and you do need to uh, get them all playing for you as a coach yeah absolutely I think the Ox was the only one who probably really stood up to Neil. Yeah, different ways. Um, and as you know, Ox was um, uh, not cut from the same cloth compared to everyone else. So he lived his own life and did his own thing at times too. And again, you're right. Uh, all clubs are built on different personalities, and not we're not all the same. Uh, treat a bit differently. I think most of the group felt that Taza had the one rule, and there's 43 other players had the other rule. Um, <laughs> I remember walking into we did the altitude tents. I think 04. Um, so, uh, and the midfielders and players, uh, we sort of lent them out different weeks and have them for three or four weeks each. And I think uh, Dave Butterfield went to Taz's one day and picked up his because he couldn't bring it home for whatever reason. And there was cranny bottles in his bedroom in the uh, in the tent as well. So, um, yeah, we're all very different. And I think that's what makes the club so great or whatever club you're at is that um, everyone is different and clear their own lives. And, um, for it to all click, um, as long as you performed on game day, it didn't matter really what you did outside your own time. Uh, super. Just for about this week, um, you, your boys a chance of uh, being a, a Melbourne player as well? I uh, don't know yet, mate. It's so yep. still finishing off his footy season here. Got a, hopefully a couple more weeks with a prelim next week. Um, he's had a good year. He's been really consistent. Um, he's the captain of East Mantle Colts over here. Um, he's driven. He's committed. He wants to play AFL footy, wants to be on a list. Obviously, the story to go father son would be a, um, a happy one for uh, everyone, but there's still some water under the bridge yet. We're not too sure where it all sits, and draft is not till the end of November. So, yeah, it's a bit of an anxious time, really. You just want the best for your kid, but the biggest thing that we can give him and the best part of advice is just to keep enjoying your footy and doing what you're doing, and what will be will be. What's your relationship with him um, like around Tajas footy? Are you um, dad or are you coach? Does he come to you for advice? Obviously, you're a Brownlow medalist. You're the best, one of the best um, sources of advice. Does he come to you for that kind of thing or is it more of a dad having a kick down the park? Like, What's your relationship like there with him? Yeah, we're best mates. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. I coached him as a kid for four years in juniors in Brisbane and then I just went, um, I think by the time he was 12, I went, no, I can't do this anymore. This is because um, you do when you're coaching. You one you can't watch your own kid play, which is what I missed about it. But then um, you've also got to coach too and treat them like every other player in it, even though they're still juniors and stuff like that. So I stepped away for a little while, and um, I, I'm not one to go down to the huddles in the breaks. So I prefer to sit sit in the stands or walk around the ground. I get too nervous watching him. Mm-hmm. Um, I get more nervous than when I played. It's an extraordinary feeling when you're a father. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, advice when, when needed or if, if he wants it, I don't go and seek it out for him But because um, he's got coaches there delivering that for him on game day, whether it's a state program or his own club. Um, but if he wants it, I can sit through some vision with him. 
Um, but what I love doing is is doing the extras with him that he wants to do, like all the extra craft on days off, and um, we have a bit of banter and a few challenges, and he thinks he's got me now, and um, so. <laughs> Yeah, good times. They're the bits I love the most. It's not necessarily about the feedback for the games, but it's the, the time you get to spend in one-on-one and kick the footy around. So Sam's prompted another memory here that I should ask you about and it involves this week's game. So that another father-son, or Jack, Jack and Todd Viney. Now, you know, I asked you, would you have thought Clarko would be, uh, would be an all-time great coach? When you saw little Jack Viney in the rooms, did you expect him to be the hard nut bastard that he's become? I say yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I do. Because oh, I went to the seventh birthday party. I was his favourite player. And Toddy got a, a banner done up for him. He went to a local park in Glen Iris there somewhere. And he ran through his banner for his seventh birthday. But I do remember um, he was out the back of his house one day. It could have been his birthday. I can't recall. And he double jumped himself on the tramp and landed on his head. <laughs> and I remember Todd, and you could just see the eyes welling up with emotion and tears. And Todd walked up to him and said, don't you get and cry. <laughs> so um, it was a hard nut from a seven-year-old. And look how he played. Punched me in the balls when I was interviewing Todd one day at Triple M. He was three. <laughs> <laughs> Just looked at it. Oh. Yeah. Brutal individual. Exactly like he said, Apple didn't fall far from that tree, did yeah. it? So, um, and Jack's Tarja's favourite player too. So And not... And Todd was one of my favourites. It's extraordinary yeah. how it all just uh, works right. out. But he's been an incredible for 150 games with the club and let's hopefully he can have a medal around his neck this weekend. Well, speaking of this weekend, you've now gone from player to becoming a bit of a Nufty fan, um, apparently so. Tell us about your, your love for the game now as a fan and the fact that you get to watch it with your son this weekend. That Apart from the decision to step away from commentating and special comments just to watch it as a past player, you also get to enjoy the game with your son. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I haven't done it a hell of a lot. I think the 17 grand final was the probably the first real live game I'd watched in a very, very long time. And since then, I'm either being commentated or not going. And, um, and probably since I retired, I've didn't fall out of love of supporting anyone. I just followed the game more so than anything else. I didn't, because um, the question gets asked, you know, who's your favourite club? No, I've got to play with two fantastic footy clubs. Um, so that's where my allegiances lie now. But um, there's red and blue through my veins. There was a bit of black and white through my veins as well. So, But now to just enjoy it and watch it with a family uh, rather than actually analyse it, it's going to be good fun actually. So um, I haven't done it for a, a long time and, hopefully a little bit more in the future now. So you know what our supporters are like. Uh, we, we, we can be a bit defeatist after years of, of not seeing seeing a premiership, but if, if if the Demons win this week, and particularly if they win well, they've actually put together one of the greatest years of all time uh, because they've just been relentless. How, how have you seen the way they've, they've evolved together as a group? Oh, mate, it's been extraordinary, hasn't it? I, if I recall, when Ruzi was at the club, uh in that succession plan time, if I could be wrong, but I do recall him saying that was he was interviewed one day and he made mention of um, maybe it was a cultural piece or what was happening with inside the four walls, but he felt like there was a stench in the walls and it was yep. still lingering around. So for whatever it was, um, and maybe that was the case. There was something happening over the journey in that last fifteen years that just something's we've you know hit a black cat or whatever it may be, but. Things weren't the same. Um, I thought it was maybe just the players are letting go over the journey that were very good players of the footy club. Um, but the biggest difference I've seen this year, Ralphie, is 
from afar looking in, culture looks so different. They look like they're connected on field, off field. I don't know what they've done off field and how they've embraced each other this year, but even in that short time between 20 and 21, there looks a massive change and a real shift. Now, whether that's Maxie's leadership and the leadership group behind him driving that, which I think it would be, but um, from a whole club perspective looking in, um, it, it looks like a massive difference. It feels like it's their time. I commentated the prelim last week against the Cats, and I've never seen a more connected team when they didn't have the ball against Geelong at one of the best team defence games I've seen in a very, very long time. They suffocated Geelong mm. and didn't and denied them any ball, any opportunity, and they were never scoring that day, Geelong. So um, that's where the biggest shift I've found from on-field perspective is their defence. Uh, we know how good they are in the contest with Petrarca and Oliver and Gorn doing what they want, um, Viney around the ball, but when they don't have the ball, they're a different team compared to what I've seen in the past. That's almost been a change that you mentioned there about Maxie's leadership in footy during your time is that, you know, the captain was always meant to be the hard bastard and trying to, you know, be serious all the time and live up to a to a title or whatever. But we probably saw a bit of a shift in that with Richmond, not that Cochin wasn't that, but, you know, they would laugh between, they'd make a point of telling jokes and so forth. And Maxie, I think three or four weeks ago, you saw him running out and went to do the high five and missed and was laughing away almost a bit like Swanee pre-game because Swanee yeah. always said, he had two hours in him. That was the bit that we switched on. And even that side of things has changed a bit too in footy, hasn't it? Like it's a matter of let, let, let people be themselves. Yeah. Like if you, you're caught having a drink or you you couldn't do anything wrong um, back in the day. And if you did, you got whacked for it, whether it's internally or externally. Yep. Um, whereas now it's a really good balance. And I reckon that's what Mackie's brought to the leadership of the footy club is that you there's a time to be serious and drive standards and do all that thing and when it's time to work. But we can actually enjoy ourselves too and um, have some fun along the way also. Um, probably why there's – I know when I was coaching at Brisbane, just how uh, how rife anxiety is through young players coming to the system now and scrutiny and the pressure and the resources you had to put around footy clubs to um, help the players just deal with all this stuff externally that's going on their lives, whether it's coming out of school and exams or the pressure on field or the, what's written in the papers. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like they've just got a great balance with his leadership and uh, he, he's been terrific for it, hasn't he? Yeah, and almost to bring back to our pod, with, uh, with Swanee often says that if, if anyone tried to make him like uh, Pendles, yeah, like, yeah. No, like Pendles. Well, I suppose those two together. If they had tried to make him like Pendles, he would have failed. But if they had tried to make Pendles like Swatty, he would have failed too. So yeah. it is it is the art of letting people be themselves in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think for a playing group, as long as they did the work on the track and performed on game day and did what they had to do to help win the game, again, who cares what um, uh, they do with our field? I remember when I, when I finished the pies, I spoke to a few coaches because I wanted a contract somewhere in 06 and I trained with the Kangaroos for six weeks, never got it. Um, but I remember I had a conversation with Choco Williams. I was driving on the Quinana Freeway and Choco asked me a question. Uh, what do you think of Shane Crawford and what he does on the footy show? Um, I went, mate, it was a really strange question. I'm trying to get on a list and here you are talking a question about Shane Crawford. And I'm going, mate, I don't care. Croft, Croft competes and plays well, trains hard, does everything on field. Who cares what he does? He's actually a laugh. So 
Um, I don't think that was the answer he was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he's maybe he's changed himself in the last fifteen years, and hence him being such an asset this year for the club. That's right. And you know, Dusty's not. Um, he's probably one of Dusty's great mentors, wasn't he? Over a little part yep. of the journey. Yeah, Dusty. absolutely. Um, a Pendles or a, or a Buckley or you know a Gary Lyon at the time. He loved his good time and getting away. So yeah, Swanee's right. Um, he was never going to be that, and. Um, yeah, he was a superstar for doing it his way. Yep, no doubt. And you were too, mate. And we really appreciate you uh, you jumping on at short notice and uh, being so generous with your time. Enjoy tonight, wherever people are listening to it. It's Sunday afternoon, but really enjoy next week. And uh, I'm jealous, but I'm happy jealous for you. I really hope you get to uh, shed a few tears at the, at the ground this week of happiness. Yeah, it'd be nice to uh, celebrate a bit of red and blue and they can bring it home and, and hopefully in the not-too-distant future, you guys can enjoy a huge celebration. I think Kate Roffey will bring it to the G. Um, when everything opens up again. Yeah, no doubt. Good on you, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Shame my word. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 